0: In this episode, we want to talk about how living overseas is so enriching.
1: Yes, exactly. You know, so often we've been talking about missions and we talk about it like there's a, there's always a task. We're going over to learn a language and um, learn the culture and then communicate the gospel and reach these people. And Yeah, with spiritual which is and
0: eternal consequence.
1: And it's important. And that is... Right. Often so much of the goal in missions. But sometimes we forget about all the wonderful things that happen when you live cross-culturally. And so we wanted to remember some things that we loved about living overseas and experiencing other cultures. So,
0: yeah, I mean, I think being humbled by the hospitality and friendships in a warm culture that is just more... I, it's, a little, it's different from my culture. It's more community-based, yeah. more people-oriented, and less time-oriented. And I learned so much from my friends. Keeping
1: up with their hospitality. I mean, going into their home and you just...
0: You're being welcomed in and being greeted, being um, served. You know, there's all these...
1: Food, tea, coffee.
0: All of these wonderful things to... Eat and to there's even procedures for serving all of them that everyone accepts and recognizes. It it was just a wonderful experience, and it
1: puts the guest at such an important role. I mean, they're put like when you come into their home, you're the center of attention, as opposed to hey, if you want something, you know, speak up, or if you're thirsty, you know, ask for something. That's the way it is in this culture that we live in, but. It's just amazing how much everything stops and you're the center of, you know, it's often the kids come out, the whole family comes out to greet you and it's a big deal that you've come.
0: It is a big deal. And I love that part of it.
1: Yeah. I loved
0: it. And, and I, I guess also it's not focused so much on what you're doing together. So coming over to watch a movie or to grill out, grill out or to do this or to do that. It's really more about you're coming
1: And just sitting
0: around and talking with each other. no kidding. And we've gotten into so many wonderful conversations uh, that way that are not focused on an event of doing, but of being together.
1: It seems like in the U.S., hey, we ought to get together. We want to have you all over and watch the game. Or we want to have you all over and show you something. Or we can watch a movie. Or we want to introduce this game. And there's nothing wrong with activities. But as Vicki said, we often miss just the being and chilling and talking with people.
0: Yeah, being together. I, I think it also brings up the difference between entertaining and hospitality. Mm. While there is various forms of entertaining in every culture, probably. Yeah. There's also, I found in the culture in which we were living that hospitality was inviting people into whatever you had to, and you would share it with them. There was some entertaining, but we, it was mostly about being a part of their family.
1: And often they would start cooking some things while you're there and you would hear them go into the kitchen and begin to do things, and that's when Vicky would say, "I'm going to go in there and see how she's doing this." Hey, can I help you? And
0: yeah, I guess that's where I learned um, to cook. So many of the local dishes was just sitting around for hours in my friend's kitchen. I would help them chop things, or I would watch. We would I would be working on my Turkish and ask them questions while they would um, be cooking. It was great.
1: That's probably where you got the foundations for your Mediterranean cooking skills. You know, um, I think uh, we're going to talk more about this whole warm and cold cultures, hopefully in another episode. But it is a very different thing. And so many parts of the world is are what we call hot cultures. Um, what are some other things we...
0: Um, probably experiencing street culture. Oh, Yes. The idea that people are out on public transportation, and, and I guess the cities are so much more densely populated, and people don't have transportation everywhere. So there is a whole culture of things that you buy on the street to eat. Or as you're walking home, you're going to stop and get this at this store, and stop at the bread store, and stop at the... Chicken and egg store, and stop here and check into your local. I don't know your
1: the plastic guy, and he's and seeing what he,
0: the <laughs> new things he's got. You know, it's, I mean, they
1: have transportation, but it's not cars; it's mass transportation or, or little, public transportation. Yeah, Minibuses buses and buses, and people are walking everywhere, and you're seeing some of the. There's the bread guy, and you're waving at the flower lady on the corner, and. And you, you see all these similar people as you're walking home and walking through a park. I think, you know, we've been up in big cities like Chicago in the U.S., and there were communities. In New York,
0: there was this can, same idea. Yeah,
1: you can feel that. Um, and I think we miss that. I mean, we're in a city where it's, you know, there are lawn services and maybe somebody's walking a dog. But in general, the streets are empty. Yeah. If you're walking down the street, people think your car's broken down. (laughs) Can I help you? Can I give you a ride?
0: Well, especially if you're not in athletic clothes, if you're in athletic clothes, they get while you're there, but just in regular clothes. Yeah. My kids, when we would come back from abroad and we would for a visit, they would, one of the first things that they would say is where is everybody?
1: Yeah. It just looked empty.
0: So I miss that. We miss that whole camaraderie, walking out on a summer night and stopping by the ice cream stand and stopping by the park. And
1: I guess it might have been that way in the 50s, 40s in America, you know, but not anymore. I think we miss just the markets and there's little grocers on the corner. Sometimes when I'm downtown, um, other parts of the town, a city where I live here in Memphis, I, I, I see little grocers and so often they're abandoned and that's what i think most of the world because you don't most people don't have cars around the world is you've got to have a little grocer on the corner and we used to be able to literally tell our kids our six-year-olds yes you we need two eggs and a bag of sugar whatever and they could go around the corner, go down the street. I mean, what, a block? They were
0: perfectly safe. They yeah. were. It wasn't even a whole block. It was like a yeah. half a block.
1: And if you didn't have the money, he'd say, yeah. I'll put it on your bill. And it just did remind us of, I guess, a day we never lived, but maybe years ago in the States. But we miss that street culture. We miss being able to run by and get something. And then you're getting to know these people. See, I think the buildings were designed the way they are in big cities now, where there's shops on the first floor and then housing above. And that is, that's where you get that street culture. I think here in so many cities in America, we've separated it. We said all the housing's over there. Well, that's what
0: zoning is about. Yeah,
1: and all the shopping's over there.
0: So. I, I mean, there's reasons for it, but we, we enjoyed that. And being yeah. part of a neighborhood where people actually know each other. And as we're walking down the street, they know my kids' names. If my kids get lost, someone will find them and would take them, I mean, this happened to a friend of mine, would take them to the nearest little corner grocer to where they live because everyone sort of knew everyone. Kids are always out on the street playing and just more of a community orientation.
1: And then you've got the apartment life, which you need to watch hitchcock's movie the rear window and that was pretty much our life yes basically you're on the balcony you're hanging your clothes and you're seeing your neighbors and what they're doing sometimes their windows are open
0: you're Uh, hearing you're seeing they're seeing you they're watching you too it's a it's
1: interesting if somebody's having a fight you're we all know about it if somebody is uh there's somebody learning to play the saxophone. We all know that he's just beginning his lessons. Do you remember
0: the opera singer in our neighborhood that would practice her scales?
1: Yes. And so you're a lot more tighter. Our kids just miss that. I think when they got to the states, they were just like, this silence, this quietness is killing us.
0: Well, they felt unsafe. So we used to come back from, when we first bought a house in a neighborhood, we would come back and every light in the house would be on if we had been out at night and the kids in were the home. Yeah. And it was because they, were, they felt unsafe being so far from people.
1: I couldn't hear anybody, I couldn't hear the neighbor. I mean, you could hear someone drop a spoon two floors up in our apartment. And we heard, I remember taking a shower and I could hear the neighbor next door's son taking a bath with his mother. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, okay, this is a little too close, but sound carries in
0: those concrete buildings. Yeah,
1: but actually, that's how the world lives. Most of the world lives that way, and they're so much more used to being close to people, hearing people, and and there's a sense of security, as Vicky said, keeping an eye on each other. We would think of it as nosy. We would no, think it was, of it, but as, it wasn't. But it wasn't. They knew who was in our home. They knew who was coming and going, and. Who were those folks that stayed with y'all? Like, well, oh, and
0: they're also very protective of us. That's
1: right. But then, being being Americans, most of our lives growing up here, you know, it was it was not always easy to adjust to. But then, you got to where you said, "This is really nice to know. I've got so many people around me." One time, I forgot my my wallet at the gas station. The guy said, "It's okay. I live across the street from you." I see you and your little baby Oh, that home. happened
0: all the time yeah, in like, the neighborhood. They would say, I'll just bring it by tomorrow.
1: I was like, wow, he knows me, you know.
0: Yeah, you're very known.
1: So I think, yeah, I think that street culture, the warm neighborhood culture, the buildings. Um, another amazing thing about experiencing other culture is developing a second self, I felt like, by learning another language. I mean, when I say learning a language, you know, you sit in your own culture and learn Spanish as a second language or uh, German or Arabic or what or Chinese as a second language living here. That's not that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about going and immersing yourself in another culture and learning it there. And slowly it becomes you when you when you learn a language fluently, you stop thinking in your native language and you just start speaking it and you start realizing it reflects so much of the culture and you end up almost having a different personality. You're, you're, you're now using a second self.
0: Yeah. I think it taps into something in your personality. It, it did for me, there were aspects of me that were more, I don't know, alive in the second culture. We, we did have, um, one time one of our nieces came and stayed with us for about a month and she told me, "Aunt Vicky, I just don't think that I ever really knew all of you until I came and saw you interacting in this culture." Because it did tap into different parts of me, and I miss that that part of myself because language and culture are so interti- intertwined with one
1: another. And if and a language has a personality, it's this whole idea of having to say things every time you see someone, or if someone's had a haircut, or someone's not well, or someone is working. There's all these phrases that sort of oil the, the situation. The social there. situation. Yeah. They
0: make everyone comfortable.
1: And it's, it's yeah, you know, I guess in America you can just walk around quiet. Maybe you can smile. Hi.
0: Well, there are certain things that you say. If someone dies, you say, oh, I'm so Sorry that's sort of an accepted thing yeah, to say i'm so sorry
1: to hear that and yet there are these very flowery eloquent and often uh, religious things uh where we lived and i think having that gave me a chance to be that second self and uh in our last episode we talked about grieving and that was one of the things i grieved is losing that self and i found that, that second i wanted to and so I still try to speak the language. I call people on WhatsApp or I go visit people in shops here just so I can use that language. And
0: But it's not the same. There is part of you yeah. that you leave behind when you... Because the language is tied into that street culture and into that hospitality and into all of those things. They're tied together. And so you lose part of that when you leave that culture. So there's some grief there. But it's... It's there,
1: and then a language isn't even just always spoken. There is the body language, and I found that in the language we learned, there was a, there were little head movements, and then there was there were some hand movements, the touching. I remember uh, a man at my church. He said, "David, do you know this was when you came back?" (laughs) Yes, after I came back here to the states. You know, David. Every time you speak to me, you put your hand. On me, And here I was sitting next to men and I would put my hand on their leg and <laughs> or their shoulder. <laughs> that's right. And they would, huh, what's David doing? And that's, that's left over from that second language, that very warm language that I'm engaging with you. And it's not just verbal Well, and
0: touch. It's also touch. Yes.
1: And, and your head and you're making eye expressions. And I remember friends going, what is David trying to say across the room when I lived here? And I realized English doesn't have all those head expressions or nose or eyes. They have different ones. They have different ones. Yeah. So that was just so so exciting, so fun.
0: Yeah, some of them are more concise than you'll you'll find words, phrases, and motions that are more concise in a second language than they are in English. And then you get back into an English speaking environment and you think, Oh, I just missed the that phraseology or that word another thing um, that I loved about living overseas is that you can you may be and this isn't always true in every culture living in a culture similar to the culture of the Bible exactly and it was it isn't totally the same but there are some similarities that are that are that are notable, yeah. And, and you I, feel like you understand the Bible more.
1: I think I think global cultures are the same. If you go to a big city in Europe, big city in the Middle East, big city in Asia, you're getting a lot of that same global. I think what we're talking about is these more rural. I think the smaller towns, smaller cities, smaller cities, and like when Vicky and I talk about um, the warmer culture, the waving, the people. And the hospitality, it is similar to what you see in the Bible when you talk about hospitality and going out and cooking, uh, getting a really good meal or getting the meat. I mean, serving your guests something that is way more than than, than maybe the person can afford. I mean, that we see in the Bible, just that idea that you are my guest. And so often you would say, hey, let me come in there and help you with the dishes. No, 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 no. There's none of that. When Vicky and I, in this culture, we appreciate it when somebody says, "Hey, let me help you clean up." Man. <laughs> but over there, it's the guest.
0: Yeah, that's it, it's very interesting um, for me. The the whole cultural piece of the city life and streets and walking, combined with the weather situation where we lived, you know, you're out in the heat a lot more because you're walking because you're on public transportation. So getting somewhere takes a while. And when you get home, if you're walking in open shoes or sandals, your feet are so dirty. And it just helped me understand the whole washing of your feet as as for your guests. We didn't do that in the culture where I lived, but I understood the necessity of that kind of thing.
1: I know in the Bible, when you, you see there was a man that would sit at the gate or he would sit at, you know, a crippled uh, person, a handicapped person that would, you see that in the Bible, and everybody knew this person. And so, in our neighborhoods, there were certain corners that had beggars. There were certain corners that had flower sellers, and and you just everybody sort of knew these people, and it was just interesting. Um, oh, there
0: was there was a guy. Um that used to beg at the market, the weekly market, where I went, which is another part of of the culture that I loved, was having a weekly market where the farmers come in from out of town and set up um, with fresh fruits and vegetables. Amazing. But there was a guy that was always there. And, you know, when he's not there one week, we all are concerned about it. Where is he? Why isn't he there? He was known. And that reminded me of the Bible.
1: Yeah, and I think, and that's not just if you're in the Middle East. I think anywhere you go around the world, you will find that the more we become urbanized, the more globalized culture happens, the more we uh, have struggle learning what the Bible culture is and what is going on. But then when you live overseas or you experience it, you travel um, and live there for a bit.
0: Maybe not in huge, big cities when you live. Right,
1: right. You know, I think um, another something that we so enjoyed and and we're so enriched by is seeing God in the world from a different perspective. Um, There's nothing like going to another people living in that country and knowing that they've grown up with their own education system, media, customs, the way a family grows up. A perspective of the world or a perspective of just so many areas in life um, and you realize I can gain so much by asking them questions about the way they see things I think there's something so invaluable about getting another perspective from another culture from other people you know in this day and age there's so much talk about uh, racism and prejudice towards people that are coming to our country or people that live here and and it just seems like one of the number one things that uh, is so important is a is to have that listening ear and to hear another perspective and and you get a stronger community when there is a connection and there's communication between them and so the more Vicky and I learned the language the more we had our questions answered about why do they do things the way they do here and Um, Well, and
0: understanding that there are the reasons that people behave, they do. There are whole systems of thoughts and worldviews behind that. And they make sense within that worldview. They make perfect sense. They may be different than what I would think. And some of them I may not agree with. But I think I did learn to listen much more and to value different and see it as beneficial as a a, something, someone I could learn from and why to widen my perspective.
1: As I learned the language, I remember one day being able to have a discussion sitting there with a bunch of men and a world event or a national event or an event that happened in my country, in America, and to hear them talking about it and uh, or something that happened in another part of the world and to hear their perspective what an opportunity I had is sort of being that insider for just that moment. Um, Vicki and I would pick up a newspaper and we would read about something that had happened maybe back in our country and say, What an int- what a different way of looking at that. What an interesting title. I would have not seen that in one of our news outlets.
0: Well, I think it, it helps you see the different uh, nuances of perspective. That just because someone has a different perspective than you do about an event, it it isn't necessarily wrong. There are facts of an event, but there are also so many things that we think are facts that are actually nuances, ways of looking at it.
1: But that helps you empathize with them. That was all part of us understanding what are their needs? What are they looking for? What do they see as uh, missing in their lives or their country you know sometimes we come over and we say we have all your answers and you say you don't even know the questions and so part that's the whole key to as you learn that language and learn that culture and start interacting with those people you start finding out it changes the whole way your strategy works if you're going to interact with them or communicate a different worldview to them i mean often that's what isn't that what we're doing in in missions is trying to offer to present a different worldview.
0: But there are so many things too that they have there that are not, um, religious part of the, uh, a different religion, but that are cultural values that they have to offer us. And oh. I think that is just even the hospitality that we mentioned before the intergenerational, um, interaction that goes on. I learned so much from my friends. I also learned a lot about politics from my friends as they discussed certain world events that there was a whole nother view out there because they're they're coming from a different place. What they what they value
1: absolutely
0: what's important to them and valuable to them is different than what's good for America or good for me. I just I became different, and I, think, and I like the differences of being able to see different as different, not as bad.
1: You know, Vicki, you said how what we learn and we can gain from them, and like you said, there are so many things within these cultures that are closer to the Bible, and we don't have to instruct them about how no. how to do how to do church, how to do. Fellowship, how to do discipleship. There are so many things built into this culture. But like you said, there are certain things. Well, they that, do it better. Right. There are certain things that you know clearly are uh, not biblical. But I think that value of seeing what we can gain from them, and there's much to learn. And that's part of our, I guess, the ultimate goal when we talk about bringing in the gospel is to strip away all of our culture, all the things that we're bringing, the baggage that we have, and to bring it just as the, the, the clear, pure gospel. Um, and then let them work it out in their own culture. That's it. And let it grow in that culture. And I guess that's why we, we think valuing another culture and enjoying it is so important. And that's why we're doing this talk today. And is that when people say, I'm going overseas, we want them to understand there's going to be an exchange. There's going to be an offering of a worldview of the gospel the way it is in the Bible, but there's going to be so much of that culture that is good and valuable and needs to mix in with that gospel. And you will have to learn that from them.
0: Yes. And you will be changed in you will be challenged. I mean, I became a more people oriented person and less yeah. event oriented. Absolutely. I changed my, my, that root part of me valued so much the community of that culture. So I actually changed.
1: So we're going to wrap this up, but it looks like we're going to need to have another, at least another episode on this, but part two. Yeah. And our challenge to you is that if you have opportunities to engage other cultures, if you have an opportunity to spend months, year, two years overseas, there's so much you can gain by experiencing that and being immersed in that, you will be changed and you will, we think you'll be actually be a better person and a yes. better follower of Jesus. So thanks for, for today. Thanks for listening today. Our book, Mission Smart, 15 Critical Questions to Ask Before Launching Overseas, is available on Amazon in paperback or Kindle.
0: Feel free to email us with your questions through our website, esionline.org. Remember to subscribe to our podcast to get more episodes as they're published.